Merry Christmas, Grace Point. I am so glad you're here with us tonight. I know that this Christmas season for most of us, for at least many of us, doesn't look like what we expected it to, but I'm so glad you're here to join us as we say goodbye to Advent and welcome in the celebration of Christmas. Over the years in my Christmas Eve sermons, about almost two decades now, I've developed a little bit of a tradition that I don't know that anybody enjoys but but me, but I think before you do anything in the world, you should at least enjoy it. So um, what I like to do is to start with pics of nativity scenes that are, uh, I, how, how do I put it, just interesting. And so today, let's begin with the rubber ducky Christmas. I don't know, I mean, I think it's brilliant that somebody decided these are not just bath time toys. Um, these are representative of the Christmas story. Um, then there's also these, like this was the one I kind of feel like somebody was like, you know, I just, I'm just going to take some wooden blocks and write names on them. And that's going to be our, so you have the wooden squares, you have the minimalist spheres. Um, so there's these little round spheres that you, that people have set up. This next one is really, really interesting. And this was sent to me by somebody who knows the, I don't know if you would say artist. I, I think you would say artist behind this. Um, this is an all meat Nativity, and they gave me a rundown of all that was included in this. And let me just say, I don't know what says Christmas other than the meat sweats, because that's exactly what it seems like you would get from this nativity scene. Um, this next one, I stumbled across on Twitter, and I'm not, I guess it's a nativity scene. It's sort of the, the, the holy family, I guess, as, as mermaids. Um, so if you're, you know, if that's, if you're a fan of mermaids, there's that. Um, I love this one because it says, <laughs> they ordered baby cheese. It's so corny. It is so corny, but I absolutely love it. Um, this next one has a spoiler alert. Um, here we are at the nativity, and yet hanging on the wall is a crucifix. Um, so if you're if you're not into spoilers, you might want to avoid that nativity scene. This next one's pretty creative. It's, it's a nativity scene made out of hay. It also means that I would be allergic to Christmas. I bet many of you would <laughs> as well. Um, and then this one, this next one with uh, the DeLorean that has crashed through the side. And of course, the DeLorean is from Back to the Future. And the minute I saw this picture, the first thing that came to my mind was the line from Doc Brown to Marty McFly when he says, roads, where we're going, we don't need roads. Um, and they happen to just crash into the nativity. And this last one, this last one is one that all five of my kids collaborated on. Um, eventually, it was eaten by the dog, which is unfortunate. But we snapped a picture of it before that happened, and it was absolutely um, fantastic to watch them create that. And it's at least the picture is going to be um, hang, hanging in, I don't know about my house, but it'll be hanging in my heart for years to come. Uh, so there's something about those nativity scenes, um, maybe not those, I mean, because aren't, aren't we humans creative and really, really weird sometimes? Um, but there's something about the nativity scenes that give us, give me at least a sense of when you see them, there's a sense of familiarity and a sense of connection to the past there. Um, if you're wondering how all this is going to connect in the sermon, um, in this sermon, I, I just want to go ahead and tell you ahead of time, it's not going to connect at all. We're going to completely shift gears. This is just a fun thing that I like to do. Um, so I don't know about you, but there, there's a part of me that feels like this year has lasted a decade. But then there's another part of me that can't believe we're right here on the eve of Christmas, the moment before the moment. A, a moment brimming with possibility, with hope. And I think Christmas is a good time to think about how we see and understand God. Because our experience of and relationship to the story of Jesus is, is going to be shaped by what we think God is like and how we feel like we relate to God. 
Um, and, and there's a story that's often told that goes something like this, that God is an old man with a white beard. And of course, God is old for sure and a man for sure, right? Like that's the story. God's an old man with a, with a white beard who's generally aloof and distant and detached and exists out there somewhere beyond outer space. Uh, occasionally he will, because it's he, will pop in to do some sort of miraculous miracle or magical event, like give you a parking front row parking spot at Target. Um, he sees you all the time. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. I, I think you, you get it. And this story was also taught to us that God is very angry with humans because we're very bad. That we actually come from the factory with a, a defect that angers God, that is unacceptable to God. In fact, God is so angry with us that God can't even be near us or look at us. God is full of wrath towards us and wants to punish us. And God intends fully to do just that. But then, in, in an effort to avoid that, God sends Jesus into the world so that God can take all of God's anger and, and wrath against us out on Jesus. And this is what's often called good news. Like instead of punishing us, God just found somebody else to punish. And that if you believe in Jesus and you pray the right prayer and you do the right things, that eventually some you can pretty much feel pretty confident that you'll get an optimal afterlife experience. In this telling of the story, Jesus comes in the world to change God's mind about us. Right? I mean, that's the thing. Jesus stands between us and God and essentially through his life and death pleads our case and says, look, don't, don't take it out on them. Take it out. I, I don't have, I'm not, I didn't come out of the factory stand with a defect. Take it out on me, not on them. That's a very popular version of the story. Lots of people have believed that story and formed their lives around that story. Sermons are preached and songs are sung year after year, week after week that reinforce that story. And for many of us, that story has produced a crushing amount of shame, fear, and guilt, which seems the opposite of good news to me. But the actual good news is that's not the only understanding of the story. There's an alternative way to tell the story that begins not with an, an inherent flaw in us, but with an inherent connection that we enter the world living, moving, being, breathing in God. That at the core of what the word God is trying to describe is a dynamic creative relationship. That we are not born with God over here and us over here, but that we are born in God. We come into the world with a relationship with the sacred. That we humans are actually born with an original goodness, an original shalom. We talked about shalom a couple of weeks ago, which was everything in right relationship, things being right and good and whole that we come into the world that way with that kind of relationship with everything and everyone, including God. And as we all know, there are times when we disrupt that shalom. We, we engage in things that, that disrupt wholeness and disrupt, of course we do. And those moments create deep pain and most of the tragedy of human history bears witness to the fact that we do that. And what our response is almost always to do is to hide away to listen to the voice of shame that tells us we are unworthy and unacceptable. Yet, God's response to us isn't actually anger or wrath. God meets us with compassion, with grace, 
and with love. In this version of the story, and, and by the way, I mean, this, what I'm describing is, it's what happens in Genesis 3, right? Where the, the first two humans eat the fruit, their eyes are open, they're ashamed, they hide. God still shows up. God still shows up for their evening walk. If something has shifted, it hasn't been on God's end. And in this version of the story, Jesus comes among us and through his life, through his love, compassion, through the way he mercifully and compassionately heals and liberates people, through his boundary-breaking compassion that he crossed every line you could possibly cross in his day, in his time, in his age, to embrace and love and welcome. In that life, he shows us what God is ultimately like. And even in rejection, he embodies the grace and love that we call God. See, in this version of the story, Jesus doesn't come to change God's mind about us. And this understanding of the story, Jesus comes to change our minds about God. Because so many of us have believed in and been wounded by that other story. What might happen if we allowed ourselves to trust that a better story, one that isn't marked by anger and wrath and rejection, but one that is instead marked by unconditional love, unconditional compassion, and unconditional embrace? What if we began to trust that that was the truest story? That Jesus doesn't enter the world to somehow, in some last-ditch effort to get God to like us or love us or at least tolerate us. That what Jesus does is he enters the world and through the way he embodies the divine among us in something we all are invited to do. In the way he embodies the divine among us, he invites us to see God differently. And maybe one of the tragedies of the Christian history is that we've actually developed that other story of what God is like in, in, in such a way that the God Jesus invites us to trust maybe isn't even recognizable to us anymore. Maybe the invitation of Christmas and maybe the entire story of Jesus, not just Christmas, is summed up in this quote from Frederick Buechner when he writes this, Come all ye faithful, and all ye who would like to be faithful if only you could, all ye who walk in darkness and hunger for light, come and behold him, born the king of angels. Speak to him or be silent before him. In whatever way it seems right to you, in whatever time, come with your hands empty. The great promise is that to come to him who was born in Bethlehem is to find coming to birth within ourselves something stronger and braver, gladder and kinder and holier than we knew before or than ever we could have known without him. I love that beginning. Come all you faithful and all you who would like to be faithful if only you could. I gotta be honest, I tend to identify with that, that latter group. The ones who would like to be faithful if only they could. And I bet that feels resonant for you at times as well. And the truth is, wherever you are on the spectrum, the invitation is the same. Come. Come and be loved. Come and be seen. Come and be known. Come and take your place in a story that is bigger than we ever imagined. A story of transform the transformation and healing of every thing and one and atom in the universe. Friend Ben Grace uh, wrote a song where he talks about um, 
a story so big that the entire universe belongs. That's the story we're being invited into. That's the image of God we're being invited to see in Jesus. And that's the image of God we're being invited to bear in the world. So as we enter this now Christmas season, leaving Advent, the the waiting is over, the birth has arrived, the, the world is now pregnant with possibility. How will we choose to engage? Will, will, will we open our hearts to the possibility that the world could be transformed and that our work in it matters? Will we come faithful and hopefully faithful? Faithful and really, really want to be faithful. Because there's something about this experience. There's something about seeing the divine in this human life that actually, I think, helps us see the divine in all human life. And so tonight, we celebrate we are on the cusp of birth. We are in the last moments of pregnancy. Something new and something hopeful and something peaceful and something joyful and something full of love is about to enter into human history. And the question is, will it enter human history through us?